In order to truly become part of the global business environment, your business needs to constantly change and adapt to a variety of new constants. Welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders with Kimberly J. Lewis. We will help you navigate these changes on today's program and help you think beyond the boundaries. The opportunities are limitless if you are prepared. Now, here is your host, Kimberly J. Lewis. Hello and welcome to Leadership Beyond Borders. I am Kimberly Lewis, recording from Prague in the Czech Republic today. So good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be listening from. And welcome back to our returning listeners. And if you're new, let me tell you a little bit about what this series is about. Leadership Beyond Borders is about the impact globalization is having on our organizations and what this impact is doing to the kind of leadership we need to drive long-term success in today's economy. In this series, we have talked about everything from business issues such as artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things to leadership issues such as gender balance, generational management, and business values that may impact your organization or your individual career. So please download the series. Uh, You can listen to it and get some great advice, leadership success stories. You can learn from stories that motivate you, stimulate new ideas, and possibly can even be the key to your success. I invite you to connect with me. Send me your thoughts and insights to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Connect with me on my website, leadershipbeyondborders.net. And tell me what you want to hear about. I'd love to hear from you, so please drop me an email. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, if you are a professional, a business person with a passion or an expertise in a business subject, reach out to me at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. We have a worldwide audience. But even if you don't want to be a guest, tune in each week if you're in a leadership position or aspire to be in one, regardless if your business is international or local, make sure you join us each week and we will make sure that you take away something useful for either your business or yourself. Now, today we're going to talk about something that really lies in my heart. We're going to talk about the hiring process. Now, the hiring process has transformed dramatically over the years, in large due to technology advancements. But beyond the rise of the internet for hiring, tools like video interviewing, interviewing scheduling software have helped to streamline the hiring process, saving both time and money for a hiring manager's job and making their life a little bit easy. Some people might be saying even making it a little bit lazier. But there are some other subtle differences that companies have come across when hiring. And companies acquire talent now differently than they did a decade ago. And I remember as I was a CEO, getting paper resumes in the mail, and sometimes people would be really creative. They'd put a shoe in there or a sneaker. I got a few of those saying, you want to get your foot in the door. But those days are over because we've moved online. And as online applications become easier, and it seemed to make things more efficient and and even quicker for HR departments, it also made things change. It changed it for us as CEOs, and it changed it for the applicants. Sometimes as a CEO, I would really worry about the fact that if an applicant didn't use the right keywords or didn't do exactly what the technology wanted, I would get, I would miss them in the hiring process. And then I'd have to, you know, 
settle with maybe somebody second best because this person just fell through. And occasionally with my HR department, what I do is I'd go take a look at those rejected resumes just to see if somebody didn't understand how keywords work and maybe I was missing somebody good. And this could be sometimes frustrating and it could also be frustrating for the applicants if you didn't know exactly what you're doing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how how technology and how this whole hiring process has changed. And we have an expert on this. Steve Acho is a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, and published author, and independent musician with over 10 million downloads and streams of music. He is an expert on technology staffing and is an in-demand consultant for companies looking to start or increase their presence in Japan. His books, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It, and his other book, The Last... The, the least you need to know about doing business with the Japanese reflect his subject matter expertise. He manages technology staffing company SCG360.com and a technology staffing product called shortrow.com. And his clients include mid-sized organizations as well as big ones such as Apple and GM. He evangelizes the use of technology to be more human and helping change the conversation in the market so that organizations can find better fits and job seekers and more meaningful work. He's been quoted in the Huffington Post and other major media, and he's done international presentations all over the world. So, Steve, welcome to the show. And thank you for taking the time to join us. Thank you, Kimberly. Happy to be here. So, Steve, I, this is just this is such a great subject. I'm really so interested in this. So, just just tell me, start with the basics. What is the state of recruiting today, and hiring? Well, as you as you mentioned, Kimberly, the technology is really changing things quickly. Um, and if you look at, you mentioned uh, getting paper resumes. Originally, they were mailed, and then they were faxed, and then they were emailed, and now there are just new applications being developed all the time. Um, and so I think you know one of the things that's changed so much, even in the past five years, that technology specifically has changed, um, is just that we have more access to more people. Between LinkedIn and similar platforms, we have over a half a billion resumes online. So we have access to more people than we ever did. Mm-hmm. So I mean that that's a good thing um, for companies. I mean being sure. able to, but but how you know with all this access, okay, and the technology has gotten quite sophisticated. How how do we use this to technology correctly to to find those people, find the right people? Yeah, I think that's a smart <laughs> question, and and the reason you know, in my opinion, I'm I'm kind of an early adopter of any kind of technology myself, um, and I think technology is best for automation. So anything that used to be manual, now that we can automate it, that's great. But the problem with automation is that if you're automating something that's a bad idea to begin with, it just exacerbates the problem. It doesn't help. And I think the biggest waste, the biggest human waste really in terms of what we do with our time is when we try and apply efficiency to something that shouldn't be done at all. And I can mm-hmm. I can give you a couple examples of that if you'd like in recruiting. Please do. From my perspective, yeah. So, so one of the things that I'm kind of on a platform um, for and and always try and evangelize is 
just right from the start, small company, three-person company, 300-person company, Fortune 100 company, it doesn't matter. When you know that you want to hire a person, you need to talk about and write a job description and make sure that there are two things done. Make sure that the job is, the description is compelling to the person that mm-hmm. would be a good you know, employee for the role. And also, and this is the thing that's done maybe the smallest percentage of the time across the world from where I've seen it, describe the job in terms of outcomes. Most job descriptions don't actually describe jobs. They only describe skills and experience that someone would need to have. And that is not compelling. And it also isn't fair because if you say, hey, we're hiring, you need to have 10 years of this and five years of that and a degree and this and that, that doesn't tell me what I as the employee would be doing. And therefore, I'm not even able to determine whether I'm a good fit. And so one of the ways that technology exacerbates that problem is that with or without technology, if you write a poorly written job description that just says, here's the job, um, we're hiring an accountant, and you need to have five years of QuickBooks, and you need to have uh, an advanced degree, and that's all it says, and it doesn't say what you're going to do, then the only thing that you can do as a person doing this manually 50 years ago or as a tech expert doing this today and building some super cool algorithm um, is that it's going to automatically, very efficiently filter out all of the resumes that come in that have less than five years of QuickBooks experience in that example. Mm -hmm. And the problem is that there are lots of people who might have three or four years or even just one year of QuickBooks experience, but they might be great for the job. But the problem is you'll never find them and they'll never find you most of the time because you've just filtered them out based on things that actually don't matter. What you want is someone who's capable of doing the work, right? And so if you don't define the work and you automate a system that filters out things based on kind of skills infested resumes that don't matter, then you're basically doing something really efficiently that you shouldn't be doing in the first place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's that whole keyword thing that I was talking about, right? That if you a great example, if, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you don't have that, you know, you, you you see it online, and if you don't have the right keywords, and that's what I used to do is is look and say, well, who's getting spitted out that might be quite interesting. And that was smart of you to go back and look at the ones that were spit out because a lot of people don't do that. Yeah, and, and so, to be honest, some people won't even apply for that job, so you won't even get a chance to see the spit out ones because they will disqualify themselves. If if I were personally applying for a job and it said must have five years of technical sales experience, and I know that I'm an honest person and I only have three years of technical sales experience, I'm not going to apply. And mm-hmm. I might be a great person for that job, but you'll never hear of me, and we'll never get to have an actual conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And let me, yeah, that's really interesting. And Steve, let me go back to something you said in the very beginning about, you know, the amount of people we have, because this is really, we get global applications today. And mm-hmm. you're an expert in Japan and you help companies um, increase their presence in Japan. How, how do you kind of manage that because you're getting applications from all over the world today. Um, how do you judge in those applications, you know, this, this kind of cultural fit that might work in Japan? Can you do that through this process? Yeah. Well, the, I think the goal is to create a process that kind of organically 
allows a more human conversation. And also, mm-hmm. I think most recruiting processes are, are built around something called weed out the week. And that's mm-hmm. why we have these, quote, requirements, like must have an advanced degree or must have five years of this and that, because it's easier to just say if 100 come in the funnel, 100 resumes or applicants or whatever, and I can just throw out 80 of them right in the beginning because they don't, quote, meet the qualifications, my life gets easier. But to me, that that is something that's moving towards efficiency rather than effectiveness. And I think if you try and create a process that's effective first, and then you try and make it efficient that you're going in the right direction. So to answer your question about how you evaluate candidates that might be from different countries or cultures, what I do is I give them the opportunity right away to, well, first of all, I write a compelling job description that says, hey, if you're like this, you're going to want this job. And here's what you're going to do. In order to be successful in this role, you're going to have to do these three to five things. So if somebody applies for that job, they immediately get a response before anyone looks at a resume or anything. And it says, hey, thanks so much for your interest. As you can see, the three to five most important things that you need to do in this role are right here, one through five. Please start by writing one concise sentence that gives me an overview of the most relevant accomplishment in each one. Mm-hmm. And that does a whole bunch of things. That, that's, a, that's not subtle at all, even though it seems like it is. Because what that does is it gives them the opportunity to identify themselves as a good fit. So now they get to say, you know, if, if the number one outcome on there was, uh, you know, build a financial application using X tool, right? Then they can say, oh, I built a back-end financial tool for this company using this tool. That's one sentence. I don't need seven pages of resumes or anything. Mm -hmm. And I don't need to know how many years they went to school or how many years they did anything. If they've actually done the work or something very comparable, I'm giving them a chance to have a short conversation right from the beginning and identify themselves as someone who's capable and motivated of doing the work rather than trying to guess whether they're capable and motivated based on arbitrary requirements. So Mm -hmm. regardless of where you're from in the world, if you want to make an argument that you're capable and motivated to do the job that I'm posting or that I'm talking about or that I've reached out to you about, then that's the start of the conversation. 90 plus percent of the people won't reply to that because they're just mass applying and they want any job. And that's just fine with me because I'm not trying to weed out people. I'm trying to weed them in. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I think is genius, my business partner says all the time, is that she said, you know, it occurs to me that so many companies in their recruiting process build in this process that helps them weed out the weak. But the truth is the weak are happy to weed themselves out for you. You don't have mm-hmm. to do it. And so what that leaves you with is the strong, that leaves you with the top performers, that leaves you with the motivated people who say, yeah, let's gr- this is great. Let's start a conversation. You don't need to read my seven-page right. resume and guess, right? And Exactly. And I think, I think um, we're going to – I, I want to come back to this. We're going to take a short break, and I want to come back to this because I think this is really important because what you're talking about is really you know, putting the human back into the technology process. And it also sounds to me like um, it's a lot of work. 
And that's what I want to talk about, what companies are doing right and what companies are doing wrong, sure. um, because of, of, you know, sometimes technology can make us lazy, okay? And you're, mm-hmm. what you're talking about is you have to start out with this correctly. So we'll do that when we get back, Steve. So for sure. our listeners, we're talking to Steve Acho, a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, and published author. He is an expert on technology staffing and is an in-demand consultant for companies looking to start or increase their presence in Japan. His book, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It, gives insight into recruiting and the recruiting process. And as I said, when we come back, I want to kind of talk about how we make that technology process a little bit more human and what we have to do. And, and not just the HR, but what also the CEOs have to control, how they have to contribute to that, Steve. And our listeners, if you want to reach out to Steve, you can he- reach out to him at steveacho at gmail.com, steveachoresources.com, his uh, recruiting site, scg360.com, short row, that's short, and then ro.com. And Steve is also on Facebook, and he's also on LinkedIn. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host, and you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on the Voice America Business Channel. And with that, we'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Skilled migrants throughout the world can face a variety of challenges. Many times they settle for jobs that are below their skill level because their education and qualifications are not recognized. Do we need local experience in a global world? Join host Alma Besserton for the Global Workplace. We'll explore the issues being faced by migrants as well as showcase diversity and recognize the leadership and inclusion roles of some of today's top global organizations. Listen every Tuesday at 4 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. 
Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business Channel. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host. And today we're talking with Steve Acho, a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, and published author. He's an expert on technology staffing and is an in-demand consultant for companies looking to start or increase their presence in Japan. His books, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It, and The Least You Need to Know About Doing Business with the Japanese, reflect his subject matters. And before the break, Steve, we kind of talked in general about the state of recruiting and how technology has changed that. And um, you were talking about weeding out the ones that are not qualified. And uh, a lot of companies do that instead of really looking for the one for the the um, candidates that are qualified. And I guess that's, for me, that's kind of adding the human process into the technology. And I know that in some of your writings, you talk about the simple ways to, to, to make this more human. How, how would you do, how do you do that? Right. Well, like you said, um, I think most companies have a process that revolves around weeding out the weak. And that's an attempt to try and be more efficient. I mean, if you get 200 job applications, I mean, how are you going to manage your day? What, what are the criteria that you're going to use in order to decide who you'd like to interview, right? And so that, that is just the weed out the week thing is just an attempt to make your work more manageable. What I do to make the work more manageable, but rather than trying to weed out the weak, I try and identify the strong and let the weak weed themselves out. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's an example of something that even without any extra technology, the smallest company in the world can do this with just email. Every time an application comes in, you just set up a, uh, an auto reply on email and it says, thanks so much for your interest in this role. Please write a short, you know, one sentence overview of your most relevant accomplishment compared to each one of the performance objectives, compared to each one of the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is it starts a human conversation because 95% of humans will not do that. They won't take five minutes to think about something that is a $150,000 to $200,000 job. And if they can't take that five minutes, I'm not interested in talking to them. They have just identified, they've just weeded themselves out. But Mm -hmm. the 5% who do have just helped me manage my work because now out of 100, I'm only in human conversations with five people. And they get back to me and they're saying, hey, this is great. Well, um, they might say one of two things. Here, one answer might be, here's an answer to your question. Here are all the five outcomes, and here is what I've personally done. Here's one sentence each that shows you that I'm capable of doing this job. And then I can decide whether to move forward, and we can talk about other areas of fit and logistics and all the other things. The other thing that's happened before is that people say, oh, this is great. Now that I see this more closely, I think I'm more of an architect and this is more Mm -hmm. of a developer job now that I read this more carefully. But that's great too, because now I've talked to someone who can identify what constitutes meaningful work for them, what, what kinds of outcomes they like to accomplish, right? And that person now is in my database as an architect who uses this kind of technology, who likes to solve these kinds of problems. And so our entire database is just filled with people who have expertise in certain areas and they know what they do and they know what they don't do. And they're not just looking for any job. And so all of my conversations are very human. I think when you have a job 
posting on any of the popular sites across the world. And the systems allow job seekers to just type in something like, you know, developer or um, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what it is. And right. then a thousand jobs pop up and they let you, this is, this is one of the kind of efficiency versus effectiveness problems that I have with technology. As a job seeker, you can look for a job. Let's say it's Java developer, just to pick one. And a thousand jobs pop up. You can click on a thousand different jobs and look at them. But to make it easier for you, the job seeker, they allow many of these sites allow you to just hit select all and apply all. So now mm -hmm. you've just applied for 999 jobs. <laughs> you don't even know if they're in your hemisphere. You don't even know if you, I mean, you didn't even read anything. So now the poor person on the other side who's playing the same game has another system that's just weeding out all the resumes of people that aren't in their country or their hemisphere or their, their state, or they don't have five years of X, Y, and Z. And it's just this whole game that propagates itself using technology. But all that is very inhuman. You can use technology to just have a conversation. So when someone applies for a job with me, I look at that as a start of the conversation. And so I, mm -hmm. I get back to them and I say, hey, looks like you're interested. Let's start a conversation. Let's start it like this. As you can see, here are the outcomes that we're looking for. In order to be considered successful in this role, you will have to accomplish these five things. So tell me what you've done that's most relevant, and we'll start a human conversation. And that's exactly what I do. And it's very quick. You can go from not knowing, not having any context from someone to hiring them within 48 hours. Mm -hmm. I've done this many times, and it's, and it's worked out extremely well more than 90% of the time, which is pretty good when you're dealing with humans, because right. I don't think you can put anything in place that's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. but, but then, Steve, uh, th that's really interesting. And, and um, I've never done that, uh, you know, hit and apply for 900 jobs, but I'm sure mm. I know people who have. But also what you said in the beginning from the company perspective, to stay on that mm -hmm. for a second, from mm -hmm. the company perspective, that's going to take work from my side also, because if I just do kind of that generic developer um, mm. job description. Oh, you're saying to write the job description? Yeah. Takes work? Well, yeah, but it's yeah. so important. It, it yeah. might be the most important thing, right? I mean, imagine, uh, let's, let's take this out of the corporate context for a minute. Imagine that you are having a party at your house for 100 people and you want to hire a caterer. So you write up this description of who the perfect caterer would be, and then you blast the internet and your friends. Would you ever say, I'm looking for a caterer for my party at the house this Friday. I need someone with five years of experience with ovens and seven years with knives and three years with kitchen trays. And like, no one would think to do that. They would only describe the outcome. The outcome is food for a hundred people, five are vegetarian, 95 want chicken. Here's the address can you do this Mr. or Mrs. Caterer, right? Mm -hmm. And then they'll tell you, yes, we do this all the time. In fact, we do it right in your vicinity and we just did it last week and here's a, here's a review, right? So in our, in our normal lives, we don't care so much about uh, requirements like arbitrary metrics of things that don't matter because we know we're not gonna talk to 100 caterers, right? Mm -hmm. But we know when we put out a job posting that 100 people, regardless of whether it's a good or bad job description, 
um, you're going to get you know dozens and dozens of applications, right? So even though it might be more work to say in the catering example, I'm having a party this Friday. Here are all the logistics. Here's what time you need to get here. Here's the kind of food that I want. If you don't do that, you're just going to get food. And it may or may not be good, and it may or may not be the right price, and it may or may not be there on time, and it may or may not be the right number of people. So you can think of it as more work up front, but it's super important work because if you think about it, when you hire someone, like you're, you know, you're a CEO of a company and you have you know, 100 employees and you're about to hire your 101st, well, what I encourage my clients to do when they can't get out of the traditional way of writing job descriptions by saying, you know, must have this much experience, must have a computer science degree or whatever it is, I say, let's leave those aside for a second. I want you to think 90 days forward to this mythical person's first performance review. You, I mean, it's called a performance review, right? You would be reviewing right. their performance. What will they have done? Start the sentence with a verb. What will they have done that, could, that would make them successful in your eyes? And in, 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 in my field, it's really easy. I mean, every single sentence, I don't care if you're starting the next Uber or Apple, I don't care what it is. Every sentence should start with something like, Build, create, design, upgrade, implement, integrate. There's no excuse to say good communication skills, five years of anything. You don't need to mm -hmm. say five years of iOS. What you need right. to say is create an app for the Apple Store that does X. Mm -hmm. And then someone can look at that and say, I can do that. I've done it before and I love doing it. Yeah. And I love that that was such the caterer was such a great example, Steve, because it you it, it takes sometimes uh, us a little time to take us out of the business context. Yeah, right, and right. listening to that, that that's a super, super. I have a uh, hundred of those. So, oh, my gosh, that's great. Probably stop me there. <laughs> and that, but let me just let, let me ask you something else in this, because now I'm, I'm hearing this. Um, I've seen, uh, you know, sometimes in executive positions or even CEO positions or, or even departmental manager positions, um, we, we get, tend to get lazy and we just say to HR, we need a developer. But what I'm hearing from you is really if that person's going to be delivering and I'm, I'm putting the emphasis on delivering something in my department or my area, you really need to involve the, the executives or the CEOs or the direct management in that, not just pass this down to HR. In the exact same way, that's a great point. You need to involve them in the exact same way that you do once they are hired. Mm -hmm. You're evaluating someone's performance 90 days, six months, a year past. It, management, believe me, management is involved in the results that they're accomplishing or not. Management is involved in the problems. If you have a toxic employee, they're involved in that. Right. Everything comes to outcome. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. So that's that's so important. And 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 let me let me go one step further, Steve, because not just the, the hiring process is changing, but the 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 expectations of the people who are applying and and the turnover rates and, and with the generation Z in, and I'm not talking about second generation millennials because they're pretty much in there now already, mm -hmm. okay? But now we have generation Z coming in. And um, how are is this affecting the whole hiring process? 
I, I think that younger people are so used to, I mean, they grew up with technology, right? They grew up um, with tablets and not paper. And so they're, I think they're a bit turned off by companies that are not really tech enabled and that are a little bit behind and they're just not interested. It's just a bad fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but but even even just on the me as a company hiring, so I'm using mm-hmm. technology, and but mm-hmm. I'm getting these applications. Uh, they're looking for something different today. Okay, they're looking for you know. But what I see is they're they're more involved. They want to know not just what they can do for the company, but the company for, can do for them. Do you have this sure. experience? I do, yeah, and I I think that as much as we talk about the differences in the generation gaps of people, you know, within the U.S., there's there's just a lot of talk about millennials and what do they want at work and what you know, let's get into yeah. the psychology so we can figure out how to sell them cars and other things. Mm-hmm. But I I tend to focus on the things that are the same across humanity, and you know, the, I spent years in Japan and I speak the language and I got to know the culture really well, and believe me, there are a lot of differences in culture and, of course, language between the Japan and the U.S., but there are still so many things that are just human features. And mm-hmm. one of the features of a 19-year-old and a, and a 60-year-old in the workplace is still that, yes, of course, compensation matters. Yes, money matters. But the one human thing that almost every single normal person is interested in is knowing and feeling like they are contributing to something, like they matter. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mm-hmm. really change. What what changes is the perception of the people that are hiring younger people and the younger people that are choosing to apply or work for certain companies versus other companies. I think mm-hmm. that's that's what's changing the most. But yeah. everybody wants to feel like they are doing something that's meaningful, that it matters that they're doing what they're doing for this company versus another or doing this versus doing something else. And that's the thing that, that motivates most people. Mm-hmm. Okay. With that, with that thought, I have one more question, but I'm going to hold it till after, <laughs> after the break. Steve, we're going to take a, a quick break. And okay. for our, our listeners, we are speaking with Steve Acho, a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, and published author. He is an expert on technology staffing and is an in-demand consultant for companies looking to start or increase their presence in Japan. His books, his book, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to do about it is available on Amazon. And Steve can be reached at steveachoresources.com. Steve is also on Facebook and LinkedIn. And you can also go to his recruiting website, which is, which is www.scg360.com and www.shortrow, so that's short and ro.com. And I'm Kimberly Lewis, and you're listening to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America Business. And you can reach out to me, please, at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. And with that, we'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. 
Each week on CTN CIO Talk Network, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experience with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive, better care for customers, and improve the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CTN CIO Talk Network with Sunjog All at CIO Talk Network. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Beyond Borders. Do you have a question or comment about our show? Please send an email to leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Again, that's leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Welcome back to Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's business channel. I'm your host, Kimberly Lewis, and we're speaking with Steve Acho, a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, and published author. He's an expert on technology staffing and is an in-demand consultant for companies looking to start or increase their presence in Japan. He wrote the book, Why Technology Recruiting is Broken and What to Do About It. So, Steve, um, we've been talking a little bit about what companies have to do, and and we've talked a little bit about the generational differences, maybe what Generation Z is looking for now, um, or late millennials in the workplace. And I want to ask um, about recruiting for virtual um, positions, because uh, the workplace, the actual office workplace is changing. You know, we aren't all going into the office like we did before. Is there any difference in that recruiting process and that you're seeing or how do you go about that? Well, I've you, I've personally, for all the businesses that I've been in, I've used a lot of the virtual, I've hired many, many, many virtual um, resources. Um, I've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on sites like Upwork and Odesk and Guru and these places that are essentially freelance sites. And some of it has been technology. Some of it has been legal advice. Um, it's been all over the place. But um, I really view hiring anyone to do anything for your personal life, for your small business, for your restaurant, for your technology company. 
um, I really view it all as a version of the same thing. It's identifying the people that are capable and motivated to do that work. And so when I go on, I mean, just, just to, to give you an example of the virtual recruiting world, if I'm going to hire a person maybe in another country that I've never met that is a freelancer who's going to do some work for me over the next three months to do something, I will go on one of these sites, I'll post a project, and I'll describe the project. But one of the things that I'll do is I'll say right in the project description in the very beginning, just so, you, just so people know if, if they're not familiar with this, you post a project and then anyone who is an approved vendor can apply for the job. So mm -hmm. in the U.S., if you're an Eastern time zone like me, if you put something out there at 6, 7 o'clock at night, by the time you wake up in the morning, you're going to have 50 different you know, companies yeah. and individuals who are saying, hey, I'm going to do the work and it's, you know, $3,000. And someone else says, I'll do it for $1,500. And you can look at all kinds of metrics and how much, how much work they've done in the past and what their rating was and all that. So one of the things that I do when I'm writing it is, again, I always focus on, I don't give them any requirements like you must have this or that, because mm -hmm. that's not describing a job. That's describing a person. I'm not interested in mm -hmm. describing the person. Right. I'm describing the outcome. So let's just, mm -hmm. I'll pick an easy example. I would like someone to build a one-page landing page for my new product. And it's uh, in the, I don't know, I'll make something up, in, in the healthy living space. So I put something out there. But right in the beginning, I put in all capital letters. Very important. Please read this first. In order to apply for this job, please send me one and only one link to the most relevant website that you landing page that you have built compared to what I'm asking you to do. And the, again, this is something that identifies the strong rather than trying to weed people out based on requirements that don't matter. What'll happen is I'll get, let's say, 50 different vendors that will come on there and pitch me their services. Most of them, more than 80% of them, will ignore the thing that I said because they didn't read it, and they'll just copy and paste this long message that says, we have carefully read your requirement, and we feel we're perfect to do the job, and yep. here's 75 links to our portfolio. Now, no matter how good that work is, I'm testing mm -hmm. something that matters. Attention to detail is important to me, especially in that, and I don't want someone to tell me on their resume that they're very attentive to detail. I want to sh them to show me that they're attentive to detail. And believe me, if somebody doesn't read a short half a page thing that I wrote that describes the work and they ignore something that's in all caps that says read this first, they're not attentive enough to detail and 80% of them have just disqualified themselves. I didn't even do it. So mm -hmm. the 20% that are left are sending me a link to something that they've done that's the most relevant thing. And so I'll find the most relevant thing. I'll have a conversation with the person that I think is the best fit, that has time to do it, that can meet the deadline, that perhaps you know has better reviews. And so the, the process is really the same, whether it's a big company or small, whether you're hiring multiple people or one. I really think if you start focusing on the outcome, because everybody agrees that if someone is capable and motivated to do the work that you need them to do, that that's the definition of qualified. Mm -hmm. The thing that yep. we disagree on and that many people might disagree with me on 
whether they agree in principle or they just don't know that they're doing it in practice, is that they think that what makes someone capable and motivated is that they've had five years of some kind of technology. As if someone who has four years and six months is going to learn something over the next you know, 300 days that magically makes them qualified the day they go over five years, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. preposterous. Right. We've all been in jobs that we were probably, quote, underqualified for. I'm, I'm sure you have too, Kimberly. Mm-hmm. Where you of thought, course. geez, you know, before you ran this show, did you run another show? Did, did you have a, an award-winning show? You probably, mm-hmm. And if you did, what did you do before that? You probably yeah. weren't, quote, qualified, yet you did it. Because you're yep. capable and motivated and you're able to do it. Yeah. And I, what you just did was a great tip for the our listeners out there now that are also job seekers. Because what, you're, what I'm hearing from you is make sure you pay attention and read what that job's about. And read the message the company or the, the hiring person is giving you. And on that, staying on that for a minute, do you have any other tips for job seekers out there and maybe those who are just starting out in work or changing jobs or just in general? For sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to kind of um, categorize my advice a little bit because I think it's, it's a little bit different advice for younger people who have less experienced. Um, there used to be this catch-22 that was probably before my time. And it was a it was a legitimate catch twenty two. Meaning, people would say companies want to hire people with experience, but of course, you can only get experience by getting a job and getting hired by a company. That maybe sometimes is legitimate, but I feel like in this day and age, there's no excuse. And what I tell younger people is, as a CEO, I would hire. I want to hire someone that I believe is capable and motivated. And what shows me that they're capable and motivated? that they've done things before. I always tell everybody of any age, if you know that you want to do something, I'll just use technology because it's a really easy example and that's the space we're in. If you're a young person, regardless of your degree, and you're super interested in coding, and let's say you wanna build apps for the iPhone, you don't have to wait for someone to pick you as an iOS developer, even though you've never been an iOS developer. Go tell your cousin or your friend or your neighbor or, the, or volunteer for the local business and say, I would like to donate my time in order to give you something, in order to get some experience, and I want to build you an app. That shows me capability and motivation. You don't even have to have money. If you have an internet connection, there are dozens of free resources online where you can learn how to code. And I'm just using the code one as an yeah. example. But, but the, the real advice here is that I want young people to not worry about their lack of experience and just go get experience Mm -hmm. because that speaks volumes to people that hire you that you went out proactively and you said, I want to learn how to do this and I'm just going to learn how to do it. I'm not Mm going to, I don't have to go to school. I don't have to get certified. I'm just going to do it. Great. Yeah. And that's for young people starting out. And what about people changing jobs or or even, you know, age is such a big thing today with so many Mm. baby boomers having second or third careers. Any advice? Yeah. Any advice for them? Yeah, I do. You know, I sit next to people on planes and I, I meet a lot of people that are my age and older. And what I find is that many of them are, they feel a little bit stuck where they are and they're still motivated to do something, but they feel kind of guilty because the thing that they're motivated to do is they have this self-limited belief, this self-limiting mm-hmm 
belief where, you know, I've been in pharma for 20 years or I've been in finance. I'm a finance guy. I'm an IT guy. They label themselves as something and they assume that their resume just says everything about them. And they, they assume, and I think everybody makes this mistake, we assume that history equals destiny. And it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so what I encourage people to do, you know, I, I sat next to a guy on a plane who worked for Pfizer, a big pharmaceutical company, and he was in a leadership role in IT. And he kept repeating, I'm a pharma guy. And I said, yeah, but what are you doing in pharma? And he started telling me about all these complex projects he was doing. And I said, don't you think everything you just said out loud also applies to manufacturing and retail mm -hmm. and, and finance? Nothing to do with pharma. Data mm -hmm. is data. The projects that you're working on, the security applications that you're doing, if you love doing that, don't pigeonhole yourself in one industry just because you've been in that industry. So the first thing I do for people that are more established in their career is convince them to be more open-minded about what they are and not worry about what they think their resume says they are. Because mm -hmm. resumes are, are problems in themselves yeah. a little bit. That's, you know? Well, that, that's really good advice because I see that a lot with some of the people I meet in the same conversations that I have. You kind of get, especially if you're baby boomer or, you know, from baby boomer, to, um, you're still, you want to do something else and you're kind of stuck in sure. that. And, uh, but Steve, we're getting towards the end of our show and I want to ask you for two tips um, for the company, uh, tip for the company out there and tip for the job seekers. But before I do that, I just want you to just tell, get, tell me, you know, in one minute about your music. How did you get into that? Because that is oh, just sure. so cool. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a self taught uh, total hack piano player singer that just uh, I just have a good ear and I learned how to play by ear and I um, still don't know how to read or anything but I just grew up listening to like you know Beatles and Billy Joel and Elton John and had an affinity for piano and started playing and eventually started mimicking all the people that I really liked and then I kind of amalgamated that into my own style and started creating my own music and um, as soon as it was possible, I put all my music out on the internet and made it so that downloads were available. And here I am several years later, and I'm lucky enough to do concerts all over the world. I've been on TV in Japan. I've done concerts in Italy and Australia and everywhere across the U.S. Um, and I just I kind of describe it as a hobby that I'm lucky enough to make good money on. So yeah. I still have millions of downloads and streams of all my music. So uh, I appreciate everybody that listens. Yeah, and I, I would say listen to it, and I think that's a perfect example of what you've just talked about, about go out there and, and do it, okay? Yeah, and, right. um, and with that, as we get to the end, if you had one advice, um, a short advice for a company and a short advice for a job seeker, two different things, what would it be first for the company? Sure. Well, for the company, in your hiring process, I think it's really important to start the hiring process with a job description that is two things. It's compelling. It, there's no legal or practical reason to have a boring job description. And the job description doesn't have to be exciting to everyone. Not, I mean, I'm not interested in accounting personally. So there's nothing you could do that would interest me in that. But there are people who are interested, right? So write mm -hmm. it in such a way, almost like it's marketing, like it's a commercial. Commercials don't advertise to everyone. They advertise to the target market. And the second part of that is make sure that your job description describes the outcomes that they're responsible for. Okay. And all you do is just start every sentence with a verb. 
great advice. And one quick thing for the job seeker out there. For job seekers, I would say treat your career move or your first job or your next job like it's a project. Really focus on it. Like take time, put it on your calendar, do research, talk to people. It's interesting that when people are have some big event in their life, like a wedding that's a year and a half in the future, they, the amount of time and money and resources that they spend on six hours of their life is amazing. But think of how many hours you spend in a career and people are like, oh, I'll talk to that person. I'll find out when I have time. Um, and so my first piece of advice for anyone of any age is treat your next career move like a major project. And then the second thing is prioritize your time by doing things that you want to do because just you will increase your reputation, your Rolodex and your resume by actually doing things mm -hmm. rather than sitting around and researching and, and learning and applying for jobs. Just do. Do it. Super advice. And with that, we're coming to the end of the show. And for our listeners, we've been speaking with Steve Acho, a technology staffing executive, bilingual business consultant, blogger, published author, and independent musician with over 10 million downloads and streams. You can reach Steve at steveachoresources.com. Steve is also under steve.acho on Facebook, under Steve Acho on LinkedIn, and also his recruiting companies are scg360.com and www.shortrow, that's short, and then ro.com. And thank you, Steve. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. And I'm going to tell the listeners, don't just reach out to him on the recruiting, but also download, listen to the music because it's great. I did that before we went on the show today. <laughs> so thank you Thanks so much so for much. your time. And um, yeah, and I'm Kimberly Lewis, your host on Leadership Beyond Borders on Voice America's Business Channel, Leadership Beyond Borders is a program sponsored by Global Business Therapy and the Women's Leadership Academy 2020. We do executive coaching for women. We provide leadership training, systemic team coaching certification, motivational speaking, and more. If you'd like to contact me, your host, Kimberly Lewis, please send me a mail at leadershipbeyondborders at gmail.com or visit my website at leadershipbeyondborders.net. Please also look up, up on Facebook under Leadership Beyond Borders Ponytail Talk on LinkedIn. We have a group on Twitter. You can reach me and definitely send me an email. Now, each week as we come to the end of the show, I usually leave with a tip. And I think today I'm just leaving with the, the tips that I, Steve was such a great guest. You gave great advice. And my tip would be go out and do something is exactly what Steve said. So thank you for that encouragement, Steve. And for our listeners, tune in to us next week again on Leadership Beyond Borders. Thank you for joining us on Leadership Beyond Borders. Please tune in again next Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Kimberly J. Lewis, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.